You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your hosts, Ty Braga, Scott Ferrara, and Rob Hammerschmidt, who tackle the tough topics relating to Major League Rugby in the US and Canada. This is your premier source of information. You are listening to the Major League Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Well, welcome here, everybody, to our second episode of the MLR Rant my name is Ty Braga, your host for today's Battle of the Wits between our players. We have in the lineup, the starting lineup of today, we've got Rob Hammerschmidt from Hammer Rugby. Following him is the big guy, Booster Rooster. And our first time guest, we got Larry Monks, and he is from the TRU, that's Texas Rugby Union, and also a great announcer for the Sabercats rugby team. Of course, you know them down in Houston. My name again is Ty Brago, and if we haven't had a chance to meet, I am the administrator of the MLR Fan Group, and that would be the MLR Fan Zone on Facebook. You can see us there. First up, we're going to give them the floor to talk about the difference and the pluses and minuses of the MLR draft versus the famous system of rugby academies across the world and whether it could be implemented at home in the U.S., so we're going to hand it over to our players here. A quick reminder, these gentlemen only get two minutes to be able to state their case. And if they go over that allotted time, we'll receive a yellow card from me as the referee. Uh, let's start off in the top right-hand corner. Rob Hammerschmidt, the floor is yours, my friend. You got two minutes. Let's go. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the draft. I think, first of all, it fits within the, the culture of the United States uh, athletes. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I think people are underselling the fact that college athletes who are playing high levels of rugby, especially at those top-tier programs, uh, they're playing four and, and preparing four to five days a week with a game on Saturday. So they're, they're partway to a professional culture, if you will. And I think for them, the attraction of being a pro player will carry them across the country to find out if they have their wares. Let's not forget that the teams, by using draft capital, have an investment in that player. So they'll be looking to develop that player as the best that they can. Otherwise, they've wasted a draft uh, selection. So it's important for us to remember that, um, that these players also need to earn extra money. So having the collegiate system provides them with an education in which they can use that to parlay and supplement 
um, their their uh, employment when they're also playing rugby. So um, the college system has some merits because it allows these players to engage in their trade and also apply their trade as a rugby player. Oh, absolutely. You make some great points. One of the important things you had said there is that they're still continuing their education, which is a key focus of why they have designed the system in this manner. And uh, I think one of the criteria is that they have to have been uh, turned 21 and have been mm -hmm. in college for at least three years. Is that right, uh, Rob? Can you confirm that? Yeah, yes, that's the case. Um, okay. And the interesting thing about the draft and the way they're going to work it is um, if they can – got 10 seconds left. Okay. They can enter the draft as a junior and hold off and play their senior year. Okay. That's a good point, though, too. And when those players are signed, they have a year to be able to complete that contract. Is that right there, too? Scott, I'm yes. actually going to hand it over to you because I think this is in your court now. Yeah, so now we're, we're going to move over to me. Yeah, they, they can be drafted as a junior. They do not have to sign a contract, and then they can go sign a contract with another team. I'm all for the draft system. I know people complain, oh, it's too much like the NFL, but that's the system that's set up to be used right now to get collegiate players in the MLR. It's going to take a massive money push to set up an academy system. Don't get me wrong. Five years down the road, I want to see these MLR teams start to have academy systems, start to grow the kids. But right now we have all these colleges who have uh, players that, as Rob Hammerschmidt says, they are practicing four to five days a week to, to and training four to five days a week to play on a Saturday. It's exactly what the MLR is doing. These kids are ready. Um, you have guys like Will Burke out of Rooney. He was a University of Buffalo grad. He has a degree, I think he said, in psychology and so. He's going back to school online while playing rugby. Eventually he wants to open his own practice. So I don't see it as a – deterrent of moving across country to play professional rugby and and start a profession there. Granted, you're going to have kids uh, who don't like where they're drafted. And I think the downside of this particular draft is that the um, teams don't have enough interview time with the, the, the kids they're looking to draft um, because of it's such short notice. I think going into next year is going to be a different story. Um, but right now I'm all for the MLR draft system. Well, you bring up an interesting point is that do they have enough time to be able to properly identify these players, let them acclimate before they make their final decisions? I mean, ordinarily, if it were another American sport, they would invite them to the camp. They would have all these opportunities to assess their play, their technical ability, their fitness levels. And you brought up a great point there, Scott, is that they're not necessarily going to have that opportunity now, but come next year, they will most likely because they've got these windows where they're actually encouraged to go and play outside of the commitments to their local colleges, uh, which may very well affect their uh, scholarship programs that they have, if they're playing for another professional team. I mean, the legalities and the repercussions could be far more than they realize. And in fact, a recent article from, I think it was from the Joff Report, indicated that even by them participating in a conversation uh, about payment can constitute an infringement of that, uh, of that act. That's correct. Just give me 10 more seconds, Ty. So it's, collegiate rugby needs to be just like any other collegiate sport. It's on the um, athletic directors. It's on the players. It's on the coaches to know what the eligibility rules are. It's not on the MLR. That's the system we've had in the United States right. for a long time. So I don't understand why people have a problem with that because it's always going to be like that. Sure. I, I mean, I get it. I mean, if you're the person that's going to be most affected by that, you need to be make sure that you know everything about it. It's very simple, you know, and you have to take ownership in that in that role, in that understanding. 
Um, so I definitely agree with you there. One thing I wanted to be able to just throw back to Scott, and this is outside of his allotted two minutes. I'm going to, as the referee, allow him a little bit of advantage play over here. And uh, I'm going to throw a question back to you. You had mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, them working, um, you know, studying and so forth and keeping it all going. I mean, isn't that essentially happening right now with a lot of the young players who are not necessarily got that full-time contract and they're having to do an outside a job outside of their normal role in the rugby team? I mean, what really essentially separates that from this right now? Right, absolutely nothing um, other than a comfortability factor of where they're going to be located. Um, currently, as you guys know, I know a lot about Rooney. They have three guys who are teachers full-time then that play. Um, they are on full-time contracts and they're full-time teachers. You have guys in finance. Uh, like I said, you have Will Burke going back to school, J.P. Aguirre doing night school to get those advanced degrees to make a living outside of rugby. So there's really no difference uh, versus the, the draft element versus just signing a guy straight out of college. All right. So essentially, it's really just a continuation of the same rugby culture that's happening in America already. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Some great points over there from uh, from Scott and Rob. We're going to throw it over to our third player on the field here, so to speak. And now uh, we're going to hand it over to Larry. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and set my timer here. Okay. Here's the main thing. I'm going to back um, the draft system. And the reason why I'm going to go back to a uh, an article by Pat Clifton in Rugby Today where he was advocating for the academies, which is a great thing to do. I mean, it, it sounds wonderful. It works in other countries. Uh, he even alluded to uh, our team, the Houston Sabercats, uh, and their partnership in developing an academy with the West Houston Lions. In that process, it also isolated um, unintentionally other clubs and even other youth clubs from wanting to be associated or attend Sabercat games. And so that's one thing. But ultimately, here's the biggest reason why um, I support the um, the draft, and that's this. When I was coaching high school rugby, I had many young students, sophomores and juniors, come to me, and they asked, um, Coach, is there uh, college scholarships for us? And at that time, there wasn't much. There was a little bit, but not too much. But what this draft helps establish is the, uh, the group, our group think, to come together and help colleges build up the uh, college scholarships, so therefore we are getting more players participating. Secondly, it also helps us in the development of in-school rugby along with club rugby, okay, because we have the scholarship system set up. And so therefore I think the draft is set up to allow us to encourage the college teams to work with the college teams so then they can get a scholarship established. And uh, that just in turn builds up more growth uh, within schools and also within the club. 20 seconds, my friend. 20 seconds. You got There you go. I'm done. All right. You're done. All right. Okay. So those are all really great points. A couple of things I wanted to be able to do just to be able to provide contrast in the conversation here because all three of you have agreed on the MLR draft. And it's maybe just a coincidence. Maybe it's not. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm originally from South Africa. Cape Town, South Africa, but I also lived in the UK, and particularly in England. Ding. We should every time you say for, you're from South Africa, we should go ding. <laughs> <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> okay. No. So, do I say it that often then, or what? <laughs> okay. So, if I had a pint, I would just be. It would be a drinking game. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look at that. How do I do then? All right. So. 
It's about, well, you know, you shouldn't talk back to the referee guy. <laughs> God. Sorry, right. sir. Sorry. Get off my right away. I'm going to the big guy. Get off my field, man. Get off my That's field. Definitely have turned it to TJ Paranara. But with academy players from under 13 to, uh, to the 24 level, they become entrenched in the culture of the club. They're involved in many of the charity events, outreach programs to communities. They're working with the local schools. They're working with the local clubs to find the best and elite players of each uh, uh, um, team. And then they're combining them to create an even better platform for them to become professional players while being groomed by those senior players above them that may very well be MLR players themselves. So examples of what has already happened there is Colorado, who's had that with Chad London, they've had that with the Malifa brothers, and they've grown to become professional players in the league. This is why I stand, from my experience, understanding the academy level all the way up to where it can be useful at an MLR level. What do you guys think about that? Ty, I'd like to address uh, one thing uh, very quickly with you. Going and finding the elite players at the schools, I think, is a wonderful idea. And I think when we finally get more players in the uh, in the fold, so to speak, then absolutely, that's when the academy comes in to do that. We've tried right. academies here in Texas before where we had uh, three high schools and we had a number of clubs participating because we just didn't have enough single schools and enough clubs, so we had to merge. What we don't have right now is the numbers. For example, the numbers from South Africa, okay, the right. numbers from England. And so I think at this point we need to look at getting more people playing, and as we increase that, as we improve the number of participants, okay, then we're going to be able to – start selecting those elite players. I know Rob would definitely agree with that, with his background as well, uh, working with rugby youth. Uh, yeah. I mean, Rob, do you just essentially think it boils down to one simple fact, is that there aren't enough kids playing rugby? I, I think it's that, but one of the biggest problems, dare I say it, that USA Soccer has right now is that they're not necessarily getting the best athletes to play at the higher levels of soccer. And the reason why is that while they don't have academy programs, they essentially there isn't enough money through the academy programs and so kids only develop through playing with their club teams and they have to pay to play club like larry said uh, the opportunity to get some of their school costs offset by going through the college system oh for and sure it's a major it, incentive absolutely right? and, i agree with you and let's face it by being college educated they've got a plan for what they're going to do after they're done playing professional rugby. And you bring up a great point because I think that the statistic is somewhere in the ballpark that there are only 500 registered professional rugby players in England. Um, now, that's not counting the, the UK. Of course, that number is larger. But just English professional rugby clubs is about 500 full-time players. So if you had to be able to ask every academy how many players they have in their system in their development player programs, Obviously, it's going to be a much, much larger number than 500. So the likelihood of them being able to get there, much like any other sport, is very slim. And to be able to become a professional athlete in any sport is going to be very slim. But what you're saying is, is if it doesn't work out, you got a good plan B. Now, one point I wanted to be able to make sure that I got to before we move on, uh, because I feel like we've, we've all managed to be able to tackle our side of it, and uh, Scott, before we go, I'll give you a final thought as well so you can contribute because I'm sure you got something to say there. But I also just wanted to read a statistic that I had learned today when I was researching academy successes. 
So using the most successful academy format, which is from the UK, in particular England, and until recently, one of the most successful teams was the Saracens. Now, I say until recently because they've had their financial woes and uh, they've been caught red-handed with a cookie <laughs> there. However, they have posted on their, uh, their, their website that when you particularly reference their academy programs, which of theirs is one of the best in the UK, they have on average 600 players that are involved in their academy system. So I don't know how much the teams that works out to, but that's from under 13 to 24 years old. And they also boast that currently 57% of their starting team is homegrown talent through the academy. There is only one other team that can probably say that in the MRR and they're not American. Well, rugby fans, once again, thank you for all the support you've given us here at the MLR Rant Podcast Show. So please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, hit the bell icon for notifications, or follow us on social media. This has been presented by the MLR Fan Zone.
Hey, rugby fans, this is Ty Braga from the MLR Rant Podcast Show. A quick question to you out there. Want to be able to grow your business? Well, you can do that by advertising free with the MLR Rant Podcast Show, and here's how you can do it. Step one, to simply contact us to find out more. We'll share all the options available. Step two, choose the package that works for you. Step three, get it for free. That's right, we're going to give away a free episode for every sponsorship package. So let us know by contacting us at the MLR Rad Podcast Show. And next thing I wanted to be able to bring up, which is, of course, a very hot topic, and it has been pretty much right from the start, when you talk about the fan zone uh, participation, Major League Rugby, obviously, I kind of alluded to it a moment ago, is seen as an ambassador for the sport in the U.S. So the hot topic is the U.S. amount of U.S. eligible players in Major League Rugby versus the amount of internationals. Scott, you had touched on this point a moment ago when you referenced Drew Mitchell. So I'm actually going to hand it over to you first to be able to take up this one if you're cool with that. Absolutely. So Drew Mitchell was interviewed by Jimmy Hamilton, who looked like death warmed over <laughs> a poor guy in his interview. Um, I know Jimmy Hamilton's, I think, has his three, two or three kids and his wife all locked down together. So I know it's rough on him. Um, but it excites me as a Rooney fan to say we have we or we we will have Drew Mitchell for two years now. His contract was three years. Uh, he lost 20, uh, 20, unfortunately. The reason being is the contract he is given makes him a player and or a coach. So if somebody goes down, if, if Drew Mitchell gets in shape and he wants to play, he can play. If somebody goes down, he can fill in for him. But because he has such experience as a professional and as an international, his – role as a coach and as a mentor is invaluable to to everything Rooney's going to do. And for people to say, oh, we're getting old has-beens. Yeah, we're getting old has-beens. You know who else got old has-beens? The MLS got old has-beens. Do you know what, who else gets old has-beens? The KHL in Russia gets old has-beens. But you know what? Their names. They draw people. I could say Matthew Bastro drove up our the, the French – um, fans like crazy. We had no French fans. We get Matthew Bastro. All of a sudden, we have like 200 French fans in the fan club. That happens because we got a guy who wasn't doing well as a professional in his home country, came over here, kicked a little butt, and what did it get him? It got him another contract back home in his home country. I think Chris Robshaw, maybe joining Rooney, maybe joining somewhere else. You're coming up on your play- two minutes. I don't care. I'm going to blow past this one. You probably have to card me, sir. Some people put butts in seats. It's ridiculous. The beast is putting butts. There we go. The beast is putting butts in seats. It's it's. I understand that people want to see homegrown talent, and Rooney has plenty of it, and Rooney starts plenty of homegrown talent. But this is a business. It has to be profitable. You want the academy set up? Do you want to play at Giant Stadium? Do you want to even play at Red Bull Arena, which is 22000 I think? You have to make money. And what's put butts in seats? Foreign internationals. That's it. Right. Uh, I mean, 100%. I mean, if you look at the numbers, uh, and you gave a simple example there, I mean, it'd be really interesting to be able to see if there was a way to be able to measure that, uh, you know, that impact that these players have. But, you know, without that, you can just go by what the chatter is. You can go by what the activity is in the fan zone groups. You can go by uh, how many internationals are now beginning to watch their their homegrown talents play abroad. So there is a wonderful ripple effect because world rugby is exactly that. It's supported by the entire world. So, 
you're looking at a player that has that great tradition, that great pedigree, that rugby heritage, come and play and apply his trade in a fairly new market like the U.S., it's interesting for the U.S. and it's interesting for others around the world who are looking in and going, hey, what's happening over there? And uh, that's an important thing there too. And, uh, you know, you can pick out quite a few names. I mean, you've got Renee Ranger who made an incredible impact for the Colorado Raptors. I was happy to be able to see him take down uh, Toronto with two tries there. I mean, it was pretty much a single-handed effort. No, that's unfair to say. They, they all did a great job, right? But he definitely was a star, a standout player. And the list could go on, uh, and you could choose them across many different teams. Um, but really, is it when you look at a team with a starting lineup of 15 on the field and only one or two of them are U.S. eligible, is that a reflection of American rugby? So, you know, that's an interesting question that maybe, Larry, you could approach this one. Well, I tell you what, uh, I'm going to start off first with having – I absolutely agree with Scott – um, you know what it reminds me of, Scott, when, when you speak of Matthew Basterot is um, I was thinking of when the L.A. Galaxy got David Beckham. Man, that was a big hit. Uh, and then yeah. Matthew Basterot, man, we were excited to see him when he came down to Houston. Uh, you know, we didn't appreciate what he did to us, but uh, <laughs> the same point. Okay, and then with the Sabercats, we had Jose Kalenasal and Joshua Viti. And I got to tell you, it was great seeing those guys. But playing with them was also exciting to see uh, a local from Houston, Connor Mills, uh, who played high school rugby at St. Thomas High School here in Houston, and uh, Gabe Romero, who played up in Penguin. Um, unfortunately, we were sad to see uh, Connor not return. And so one thing that does help is having the superstars, guys that the rugby guys know, like Jose Kalinasau, and then have some of the local players. When I could come back and say, look, we have a player from St. Thomas High School and a player from Kingwood High School here in Houston. That just adds to it. Secondly, it brings out local people. It encourages the development of these players because now they're playing side by side with these great superstars. And uh, so we, we have to have, I believe, a few more of the locals uh, along with the superstars. Right. Absolutely. There's an invaluable amount of experience that comes with these internationals. And like I said, it's about rugby tradition and pedigree. These guys have been through those systems, have been through the academies, and, uh, <laughs> and have years and years of know-how and experience. And, you know, when you reference Drew Mitchell, I found it an interesting point to be able to, to, to recognize that he's coming over as a player coach. And that's because they recognize what he brings with them is an invaluable amount of experience that can be given. You know, the, and this is actually one of my things about – and. I don't want to circle back around to for too long, but there needs to be a much stronger rugby IQ in, in, in the United States. And that's not going to come from more inexperienced players. It's going to come from more experienced players. Rob, what do you got to say about this? Well, I think it, it comes down and once again, to infrastructure, we don't have the infrastructure in the United States right now uh, to fill the rosters with USA players. Right. I think that the draft is going to provide a structure um, for uh, college players that are playing at a high level to find their way into the MLR. At the very least, fill out some of those gaps to provide, you know, um, uh, some of the emergency roster spots, most certainly. I mean, I talked to uh, Coach Nate Osborne down there in Nola. He said that they actually have their eye on about 30 players uh, for the draft right now, and they're expanding their list. So there's no shortage of players. It's just, for me, it's a question of, 
development. So on one hand, you get a guy like, and you saw this tie, Renee Ranger comes in. Tell me that Renee Ranger didn't do something for Victor Cruz's play this year. Oh, absolutely. Man, with him out on the wing, he's putting him in places he had never had with that much room available to him. Th those guys come on a roster and they demonstrate professionalism and those other players develop along with them. Add it to that, the beast, tell me a youth player or a parent of a youth player would not be excited to have their kid join a team in which the beast comes in and occasionally coaches, does some demonstrations, and works with the young players. That's the value of those international players coming in. They give everything legitimacy from youth organization and development all the way up to development of professionals. Right. You bring up a great point, though, is that they're reaching out to these communities. They're brand ambassadors for their clubs. And they're magnificent marketing tools as a result. Uh, this is not uncommon to what Major League Soccer had done, uh, you know, as far back as the 90s. Uh, the first big name that they had signed, I believe, was David Beckham. We had mentioned it before because he was a titanic figure in football across the world. I mean, he was obviously connected to uh, Victoria Spice, you know, which uh, would, of course, mean that their whole brand itself added value for whatever he did. So you've got players like this that, that are so much more than their paycheck, so much more than how many tackles they make or how many yards they gain. There's so much more to consider and so much more value that they bring than what's just on the field. And don't forget, I think there's a marketing value overseas because when True. the beast comes over, it gives him MLR legitimacy. And now fans of rugby overseas are following teams here in the States and they're buying merchandise and they're paying attention to what's going on in the United States. It's funny you mention that because I wouldn't be surprised. I probably need to ask around in our group, but I wouldn't be surprised if DC being a new team uh, for 2020 has any South Africans that were watching back in South Africa are probably supporting DC because the beast had played for them. Yep. And it might very well be the same for somebody sitting in New Zealand who's watching Renee Ranger or Australia going to be watching Drew Mitchell. So you bring up an excellent point there. And if you've got more people tuning in, that's important. It doesn't matter where they're from because you're still growing the sport and you're growing the brand and that's a win-win all around. Get involved, extend the invitation to your friends who are fans of the MLR, and let's hear from you. So, you know, you brought up some really, really great points there. So what I want to be able to do is sum it up in one final quote, one final sentence from each of you. The debate about U.S. eligible players or the amount or the lack of in the MLR, what's your final thought? Rob, it's back to you. Listen, here's what I did. I broke down five, five uh, uh, um, teams in the MLR. Uh, let's discount uh, Toronto. Four additional teams, Rooney, Nola, and Legion, and Rattle. And guess what? They have a pretty good balance between American players and internationals, about 50-50. And those players coming in are going to help the American players develop in the professional ranks moving forward. So you're for it. Excellent. Scott? We need foreign internationals. To throw it back to soccer, David Silva came over to the MLS. 
He is now part owner in Queensboro FC, which is in the United Soccer League, the step down from MLS. So the foreign internationals are not only coming over, they're buying into the system that right. American professional sports is the way to go. Right. They're not only investing their time and experience, it's the money that comes with them in many cases too. And I wouldn't be surprised if that begins to happen here in with major league rugby teams because the more they know about it and the more involved they are, that's going to be a positive spinoff that comes from it. So I agree with you there very much. So there, Scott, excellent point. Now over to you, Larry, what do you got for us? I got to go along with Rob and Scott. And I'll tell you the reason why that I think a good mix between the two is there. One, the foreigners coming over, uh, it gives them a chance to actually get their foot in and be a part of something great, something where the market here is wide open. Okay. But along with that, I also encourage at least a few local, true local boys on the team to balance that up. So then you get 50% of the Americans up there with a few local boys just to kind of help out with that aspect of the marketing with the superstars, even if they're in their, their, their sundown age, you know, they're over here and they're helping. And so that will help bring us up. I like the idea also in doing that where it's opening us up in the market around the world it's wonderful to be able to listen and and look online and see that people a large number of people twelve thousand, for example watching a game from new zealand alone when uh tasman mako was playing us you know that's fantastic so you know we'd like to see those numbers go up we'd like to see them buy our merchandise and that's going to help us get the bigger advertisers and be able to get out there better you know you bring up a great point there so tasman mako came over as one of the Mitre 10 champions. In fact, I believe they were last year's champions, 2019. Right. Although they didn't bring the same team, it was still the same club, right? Yeah. It was more of a development side. I mean, some of these boys were 15 years old and they were going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the big boys at uh, Seattle Seawolves, uh, likewise for down, uh, boys down in Houston. Uh, so they bring a great rugby culture with them and they brought a great team with them. And if you're saying that 12,000 people were watching back home for them, which was, of course, New Zealand, right. that's an incredibly awesome, untapped resource for MLR as a whole. Like, you know, maybe a great question would be to propose for another day is why aren't they marketing enough of this brand overseas? You know, there's obviously an established market, and we know rugby fans love rugby so much that we'll enjoy it in almost every form that comes. Right? Whether it's our team or another, we just want to be able to see great competition. Um, but, you know, all of us, I think, now can agree that the, you know, the amount of U.S. players should be, I mean, it should be an even blend. It should be an even mix. We do have some teams that have one or two U.S. eligible starting players on the, uh, uh, on the lineup. So... Hopefully one day with the efforts of, of, of clubs and teams and organizations like Glendale at Infinity Park, it may very well come to be that we see 50% of every team, much like the Saracens can boast having more than half their team being homegrown talent. But we're not there yet. It's going to take time. And a good place to be able to start is with the MLR draft. Why? Because you have near 900 college teams across the country, whether it be men and women's format, that are eligible to be able to play at this level and, more importantly, want to play. Hey, Ty, keep in mind one thing. All of the Midwest, there isn't a single MLR team in the Midwest right now. Where right. Are those, That's a fantastic where are those, wide open. 
where do those players consider right. homegrown? They can't. They have to go yeah. to the draft or they have to matriculate to one of the other teams that already have a system. That's an excellent point there. I think I've got to give you an extra point for that one there. <laughs> oh, bonus. <laughs> good. <laughs> and welcome back, MLR Rant fans. We've had an incredible battle between our players here. They've all stated their case, made some excellent points. We're going to give them the opportunity to put one final thought forward before we announce who the winner of this round may be. So I'm going to throw it out to Rob to start it off with your final thought. Sum it up for us, buddy. On the MLR draft, remember two things. Number one, players that are drafted as juniors and want to still play their senior year, there are windows in which they can play for the drafted team and gain valuable experience at the pro level. They just can't get paid. You know, uh, don't forget, any players that aren't attached still can enter any open tryout they wish for any team they wish, except for maybe Toronto. Excellent. Right. Scott, what's your final thought? Share it, big guy. I think wrapping around everything I talked about, the MLR is a rugby business. It should be treated as such. Um, we need to make money for this league. The teams need to make money. That money will then trickle down, and we can start to do what we want. But remember, we are a business. Larry, what's your final thought? MLR is a business, and a part of that business is helping to establish the youth growing up in the school system and the club system in order to build more fans. So that should be a part of the business model. Absolutely. I mean, once you're tying all these aspects together, we've actually got a functional league, right? That is actually growing talent. Hopefully a lot more homegrown players making it to the platform of MLR. And that's really when you're in the best position, when you have an invested interest from your communities that are participating in the sport and grow with it. So excellent points from all around, but there has to be a winner that is crowned for today's battle between these players out in the field. They've all made excellent points. Uh, I have had to dish out a couple of yellow cards, the first of which I believe went to uh, Scott for going over his time. I'm going to quote him. I don't care, I think were the words that he used, which obviously <laughs> with the refereeing style. Uh, Nigel Owens would have definitely have something to say about that. That's the equivalent of a high tackle. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we've also got uh, Larry on unsportsmanlike conduct while reading his article. <laughs> and uh, also, I believe, Rob, you got a yellow as well. But I did give Rob an extra point along the way. So I think today that makes you our uh, first uh, champ of this round. God damn it. Excellent. Yeah, eternal good sportsman with the booze over there. He's probably quite used to hearing that at Rooney, though. But um, <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, it's been an entertaining round, and you boys have all put some great points forward. What we're going to do now is ask our audience, all of the Major League Rugby Fan Zone uh, group members, and likewise for anybody else who's a fan of Major League Rugby in general or just perhaps the sport in the United States and uh, Canada, uh, we really are doing this to be able to help bring the word out uh, to those that don't know about it. If you're a rugby newbie, it's a great way to be able to understand what's going on behind the scenes. If you want a little bit more of an in-depth understanding, that's what this platform is for. All of these guys are the rugby know-it-alls. Uh, we'd love to be able to have one of you come onto our show and test these guys and see uh, what they're made of and, of course, put them to the test on the hot topics. You can let us know what you want discussed by dropping a comment 
below, I do this because eventually there'll be something over here. And uh, you can let us know, comment below what you want us to be able to talk about in our next episode. That being said, we'll be introducing our next guest, which is going to be Nick Feeks, who of course is associated to the NOLA Gold team. He has also got amazing ventures that he's branching out from his playing career that we're going to be talking about in that interview, and that'll be coming up next Sunday. So make sure you stick around and you watch for that. If you haven't already done so, hit the bell icon and subscribe to our channel. The Major League Rugby Rant is our podcast, and thank you for watching. big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.